Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 6, Rite of Passage. Yay! I, I remember this episode had something to do with Cassie, but not the specifics of. No. I Surprise! I didn't. I didn't know there were any more Cassie episodes coming. No, okay. No, I know this. This is kind of the last one, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different actress playing her. Yes, I'm assuming. Yes. It, yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's it's uh it's actually the actress who played Allie in the episode Bane, like that little girl oh, that like tilt okay. the friends, uh, mm-hmm. because like they wanted to bring the original Cassie actress back, but she was apparently busy filming X Men Two. Oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So they had to get somebody else to fill the role. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And I very much am curious who wrote the script for this one because I have okay. thoughts on it. Okay. <laughs> well, shall, shall I tell you those details? Yes, please do. Okay. So this originally aired on August 3rd, 2001, which is actually like a month after episode five. So there was a weird oh, okay. like month long break for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, it was written by Heather E. Ash, directed by Peter DeLuise. Which, did you spot okay. his cameo in this one? No. Just, Where was it? Oh, no. it's it's oh. fairly obvious. We'll get to it. I'll tell you when oh, we get there. Okay. Um, and on I the really commentary. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> it's very obviously, oh, hey, there's Peter. So. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and on the commentary, we have Peter and James Titchener, the visual effects supervisor. Uh, no Amanda tapping on this one? No, just Peter and James. Man, okay. So in this episode, Cassandra mysteriously falls ill, sending SG-1 back to her home planet, where they uncover a dark, ghouled secret. Okay, so I must say then, so this was written, the script was written by a woman. Okay, yes. because, because I actually had the thought in my head after watching this episode of this script had to have been written by a man because it sounded like it was written by a man who had no idea how women actually talk to each other oh yeah especially sort of like the teenage girl stuff there's a lot of like kind of yeah you know teenage mom hates family kind of teenage girl hates mom kind of thing yeah, and like you're That's not like, my real mother, and the um, yeah. because just the the conversations that they have that literally are like because I am your mother and I love you and like I don't it just it was very much like how a it seemed to me like it was a guy who was like all right I'm gonna pull out every lifetime mother daughter adopted mother daughter cliche in this script and throw it in there. Yeah, there's definitely some some sort of issues with like adopted daughter mother relationship stuff going on. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. But I also I also kind of have thoughts about that how they portrayed their relationship. Yeah. Too, but we'll get to it then. All right, we'll get to it when we get to it. So yeah. Okay, so this episode opens at uh, Dr. Fraser's house, which is brand new location for all of this. And she's lighting Yay. some birthday candles on a cake that says, happy birthday, Cassandra. 
there's like balloons and sort of like unwrapped presents in the background. And Dr. Fraser calls for, for Cassandra, who comes out from her room and is apparently not wearing the new shirt that Sam got her. And like Cassandra definitely has a bit of like teenage girl angst attitude going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Fraser's trying, just trying to get her to like blow out the candles and have some cake, but she's like, Dominic is waiting. Oh my God, can I go, please? It's like, like, ugh. It's like, okay, yes, you can go after you have some cake. So fine. And like Cassandra storms off, and Sam, I, like, I think Sam's kind of offering to like go after her, but Dr. Fraser's like, no, just like leave it. Would you, would you like some coffee? They kind of just like let her storm off and cool off and drink their coffee. And so out on the porch, this is Dominic, who's been waiting for Cassie to, like, I mean, I, yeah, I don't fault her for, like, wanting to go out with this young man. He's, he's Mm -hmm. a very handsome young man. Yes. (laughs) With this young man. (laughs) Um, And so he gives Cassandra a present that's, like, a very pretty crystal prism thing, because that was something, like, they'd had in science class that she had commented on, which I thought was very sweet. But, like, he remembered this about her. It's like, okay. Uh, and then they kiss, and the light on the porch flickers and then explodes, and the lights in the house also start flickering, and Cassandra then, like, collapses and just, like, falls to the ground on the porch. Dominic calls out for help. Uh, Janet and Sam come running, and Cassandra's just still unconscious and seems to be running a fever, and they're like, what happened? He's like, I just kissed her, and Sam's like, you kissed her? Like, I know, she was way too angry about that. She was, like, yeah. Why? <laughs> It's like she's, I think she's actually supposed to be turning 16, but, like, the candles are wrong. Like, the number of candles on the cake are wrong. Based on the years of the past since Singular, she should be turning 16. So, like, her kissing a boy should not be like, you kissed a boy! Kind of a thing. Um, What? (laughs) It's like, I just kissed her. It's her birthday. Why are you yelling at me? I don't know. But uh, Janice just like, let's get her to the infirmary. And then we cut to the opening credits. Yay. Interpretation. (laughs) haven't said that one in a while no you have not so uh in the sgc jack comes into the infirmary where sam is sitting with a still unconscious cassandra her fever's still up and then fraser comes in asking for a sample of sam's blood as there's some kind of retrovirus in cassandra's blood samples why does she need sam's blood here i don't understand this request for sam's blood i don't Maybe she thought, well, it was a, maybe she thought it was a Nakwita thing. Maybe. But they, like, they didn't explain that. She just comes and is like, Sam, I need your blood. There's a retrovirus in Cassandra's blood. What, what do those <laughs> two things have to do with each other? Please, can we please get a little more information explanation on that whole thing? Because it makes yeah. no sense as, as it stands. I don't know. Um, uh, Sam and Janet then explained to Jack that Cassandra is basically emitting some kind of electromagnetic field that occasionally spikes, which would explain, like, why the porch light exploded and also why Dr. Fraser can't do an MRI. Cassie then sort of comes around, wakes up a bit, and says she couldn't finish the harvest and that she has to go into the forest. And I was just like, uh, like, you can see, like, Sam and Jack are like, what? Like, what? What are you, what are you saying? And Jen's just like, that's it. That's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about that. And we also sort of get another, like, light flicker in the infirmary. So the whole EM field thing is still going on. 
up in the briefing room, they're filling Hammond in on what's going on. Whatever is happening with Cassandra doesn't appear to be contagious because both Dr. Frazier and Sam are fine. Like they don't have any evidence of that same retrovirus in their system. And also whatever it is in Cassandra's system does not match any known retrovirus on Earth. So it probably came from her home planet. And uh, Frazier's been giving her antiviral medication, but it's not really helping much. And it's now in her cerebral spinal fluid, which could lead to brain damage. So not good. No, not not good things are going on with Cassandra here. Uh, Daniel then comes in with some information from the three months that SG7 spent on Cassandra's planet, sort of like leading up to the events of Singularity, where we were introduced to Cassandra. Here's Peter's cameo. He's that airman ah. that like, Daniel hands the tape to with the video ah. footage on it. He's the guy sitting in the desk in the corner. Okay. Uh, according to the commentary, Peter said he wasn't wearing pants. I don't know how much steak to put in that, <laughs> whether he's just joking. Maybe he wasn't wearing pants. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so uh, according to like the written reports of SG7, they saw two cases of teenagers with high fevers and hallucinations, and they did manage to get some recordings of one such episode and plays a, a brief recording of a girl who's sort of about Cassandra's age, just sort of laying in a field and having a seizure. And according to SG7's reports, the elders refused medicine that SG7 offered and sent the teenagers into the forest alone. After several days, those teenagers came back completely cured. The elders would not tell SG7 anything about this, and just that it's some sort of religious rite that these children have to go through. Right. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. My question here is, does this, like, did this happen to all of the children or just some of the children on this planet? Because it was, it was a little unclear to me whether this happened to everybody or just some of the kids. I, I took it to be that it was all of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's sort of like once they reach a certain age or a certain developmental stage, this thing happens to them? Well, yeah, because we find out that Near to You is messing with genetics, right? Yeah. So I think it would have been, well, I guess depending on how long she'd been doing it was how much, you know, how many people were involved. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyway, so the thing about the forest sort of brings back to mind, like, what Cassandra had said. And so it might be worth, like, going back to the planet to check it out. And Tilk brings up the whole, like, you know, the whole atmosphere was poisoned by near to the last time we were there. And sounds like it's been four years. There's a good chance that the toxin is dissipated by now. But anyway, they can send them out to check what the atmosphere is like and Hammond's like well it's worth a try so basically gives them his blessing to go back to the planet and see what's going on there yay so we cut to SG-1 exiting the gate on Hanka and the toxin is apparently gone because they're not in any kind of like hazmat gear at this point and they start heading towards the forest and we see a glowing handprint on a tree and remnants of like a sort of fire pit area on the ground uh, Sam suggests getting some samples of the plants as maybe there's some form of like natural medicine just there in the plant life that cured the children. 
uh, Daniel sort of like touches the glowing handprint and a uh, fire just pops up out of nowhere where like this fire pit was. Uh, Jack yeah. walks over to stand next to Tilk, who is standing right next to the fire pit, and they are then enveloped in a ring transporter and then just, you know, go wherever the ring what? transporter sent them. I like the effect that they did where it disturbs the leaves. Yes, but why didn't the fire go with them? Because the fire was also within the ring transporter bounds. That's a very good point. Like, can like I can you program a ring transporter to only transport certain things? I don't know. I was a little confused about like why everything within the ring transporter didn't. Yeah. Go with why them. no? Why no fire? Why no leaves? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a little weird. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe this is yeah. me. I don't know. Uh, so the ring transporter deposits them in what Tilk believes to be Nirti's lab. And they kind of like are doing the whole where are we? Like what's going on? Very confused bleh, thing. And then the rings activate again. But don't worry, it's just Sam and Daniel. So they Yay. do the whole thing. Yay. So they all start poking around the lab. Uh, Daniel picks up one of those like Gould tablet things like Michello had, where it's just like a stone tablet and you swipe the stone over it and it like quote unquote turns pages. Right. Uh, confirms Sam's, Sam's suspicions that this is where the children ended up, explaining it as such. Uh, this place is what the initiation rite was all about. Hankin children suffering from the mind fever wander into the forest. It gets dark. They're drawn to the handprint on the tree, then to the warm fire, and the wing, the rings sweep them to this lab. So it turns out that, like, Nirti ended up curing them of whatever this disease thing was. Which doesn't make any sense to Jack because Nirti killed everyone on this planet. So why would she cure some kids of like a disease? It's just, it's valid very question. Very, yes, very valid question. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Daniel, it's part of some experiment she was running that he's been like reading on this tablet. Uh, he then pushes a button on the table where he picked up the tablet. And this sort of central, central pedestal rises up revealing... Crystals or vials that are filled with something, some kind of colorful liquid. And they're like, well, let's just take that back with us and see what this is. Two things funny about this. Number one, I love how Daniel's reaction was just like, oh, no, I think I did that. I did that. (laughs) Yes, you did do that. Yes. So Daniel's touching things. Yes. Number two, their first reaction is let's bring it back with us. Quarantine. You don't know what this is. Why are we bringing it back to Earth? It could be a deadly uh, virus for all you know. Our two main memos full force in this episode. Yep, back to back. Yep. Uh, so back in the SGC, Fraser walks into the infirmary and Cassandra's gone. She's just not what? in her bed. Oh, my God, no. what's going on? No. Uh, so Fraser tracks her down in the hall where she keeps saying that she has to go into the forest. And Fraser pleads with her to, like, go back to the infirmary. And Cassie just keeps yelling how she doesn't understand. And she's not, my, you're not my mother, which is like, oh, you can tell that just really hurts Janet, like, so much. And, but she kind of is like, okay, like, if I'm not your mother, at the very least, I'm your doctor. And you need to go back to bed. You you need to be in the infirmary where we can, like, take care of you and figure out what's going on. But, like, no, 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 no. Nobody understands. And she, like, shoves Dr. Fraser, runs for the elevator, but gets grabbed by a couple airmen 
shakes them off and yells at like they're killing her as the lights explode in the hall. This whole exchange between uh, Dr. Fraser and, and Cassandra, like that to me was very lifetime movie. We're just like, you're not my mother. You don't know. And her response is something like, then what have I been to you the last few yes. years? Like, yeah. It's yeah, it is. It is. It is quite lifetime movie. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just that one, that one line especially. What have I been to you these last few years? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. <sighs> okay. So Sam has come back to the SGC. Everybody else is still back on Hanka. Like to look through the lab and figure out what's going on. And she asks us over. She asks after Cassandra, and Hammond just tells her, like, go see for yourself. So Cassandra has been moved to an isolation room that is shielded from the rest of the base because of the whole EM field disturbance thing that she's got going on, which makes a lot of sense. Um, Sam does join Dr. Fraser up in the observation room, and... Um, Peter talked about in the commentary sort of how he framed this shot, like, looking over like Sam and Janet's shoulders to Cassandra who's like blurry in the background but we see like Sam and Janet reflected in the glass and how Brad Wright had kind of questioned that because you can't really like you can't really see anybody's faces really in the scene everybody's sort of in like like three quarter away from us profile and like Cassandra's blurry, but Peter was like, I need the scene to be about these two women, like Sam and Janet and their relationship to Cassandra. So, I mean, I think it works. I think it makes sense, but it's just sort of one of those interesting behind the scenes directing conversation things that happens. Like this was his vision and damn it, he did it. Yes, he did. Yes. Um, Yeah. So uh, they're up in the observation room. It, like it's not looking good for for Cassandra. She's still got the fever. There are no antibodies to suggest she's trying to fight whatever this retrovirus thing is. And she just keeps talking about like needing to go back to Hanka to the forest and all like not being on Earth. Uh, they then walk into Cassandra's room, and uh, this whole conversation does not go well for anybody. Um, there's sort of a brief recap from like the past episodes with Cassandra in case just people haven't seen them. They let her know about the lab that they found and that Nearty was experimenting on her and her people, but uh, they don't know why. They try to explain what they think is happening, but they really don't know anything. And mm-hmm. she just is like, let me go back. And they're like, we can't let you leave. So I, don't, I really, I don't, I was also trying to decide, too, like, if this is something that was, like, common, like, a rite of passage, common thing amongst the people, it's really strange that Cassandra didn't mention it before. I mean, it might not be something if it's just one of those things that is, like, when you reach a certain age, your genes do this thing and you get this urge to do this thing. She maybe wasn't fully aware of it before then. Maybe. But this is also where I started thinking, okay, obviously you don't want to let Cassandra go back to the planet by herself, so SG-1, go with her, follow her, stick very close to her, don't just, like, let her wander off, like... Right, yes. What's the harm in, like, going with her 
to Hanka and like figuring out if there is something going on on the planet that is affecting her DNA genes, whatever kind of yep. a thing. Like, yeah, once they figure out it was safe. And she, like everything Cassandra's saying is like, I have to go back. 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 So let her go okay. back and go with her. Like, no, obviously don't send her by herself, but like go with her. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of, I was very confused by the whole, we can't let you leave the SGC ever under no circumstances, blah, blah, blah. Like. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't really think about that, but that is a very good point of like, why don't you go with her? That's a really good point. Yeah, because maybe there really is something there. We don't know. Yeah, and maybe she'll just instinctively know how to do something. Yeah. Or go somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's very weird. Very strange. Uh, so anyway, so we're back in Nirti's lab and the bars are like poking around and they've apparently opened some like panel on the wall and Jack is like pulling out devices and he pulls one of them down and is like, what does this do? And Tuck's like, what do you think it does? And it's like, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Like, this, it's a very, it's not intuitive. Um, and then from sort of off screen, Daniel just says evolution. And he's just like, what? Like, how? What? Um, so basically... Uh, so he's been reading through the tablet thing and continues that this experiment that Nirti's been doing has to do with the evolution, the evolution of the hawk tar, which he's not quite sure what that word means. And Tilk's like, I haven't heard that word in years, uh, but it's in, you know, the journal about the experiment. So it must have something to do with all of the kids. Uh, the ring transporter then activates, but no one is there. And Daniel's like, oh, oops, I may have done that because he's sort of like, set the tablet down like right before the ring activated and Jack's like well anyway it's time to go so they'll get their stuff head into the rings and we get this sort of shot like like a point of view shot that's kind of blue and a little blurry kind of that like sort of invisible POV shot we've had before in previous episodes of SG-1 mm-hmm. so something is there something's there something's going on what is it what's going on I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in Cassandra's room at the SGC, Sam comes in with a chess set because it's Saturday and Sam's on Earth. So that means that she and Cassandra play chess, which is just like, oh, yeah, that's very just yay. And Cassandra kind of like ignores her and says like she's changing and she can do things now. And she holds out her hand and one of the knights from the chess set just like flies off of the table and like plops into her palm. And she doesn't know how she did it. She just thought about it, and and it was there and in her Yeah. So, yeah. And she comments that like Jack calls them horses, and like he pretends to be not as smart as he is, which like yes he does. Yes. Uh, as, uh, Sam points out that if you look closely enough, that they are horses. And then Cassandra goes, "What do you see when you look at me now?" And Sam goes, "I see you." And until your head starts spinning around, and probably even then, I will still see just you. So, very touching moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to the commentary, this was originally written to be Jack instead of Sam. But once they realized that this episode was really about sort of Janet and Sam and those two women dealing with what's happening to Cassandra, they changed it to be Sam, which I think works a lot better. Yeah. Uh, up in the briefing room, they're looking at that footage of Cassandra moving the chess piece around, and Hammond's like, how would she do that? And Jack just explains that it's magnets, because Ian feels magnets, that's, you know, how they work. I mean, work. it's not a terrible idea. 
Yeah, I mean, the, apparently the chess pieces have magnets in them because it's like a travel set. And Cassandra can control EM fields, so magnets. I mean, it makes sense to me. I don't know. I just love how everyone kind of looks at him like, and moving on. Yeah. Like, I mean. It was a, a terrible. No. Terrible idea. It is a bit of a callback to the window of opportunity episode where he, they were talking about like what was happening on the planet and Jessica goes, magnets when Sam was about like the electromagnetic field of the sun and doing the stuff that it did on that planet and stuff. Ah. So it's kind of a callback to that, but like, I mean, yeah, magnets, EM fields totally make sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Daniel might have any, might have an idea about how she was able to do that. So with Tilk's help, he was finally able to figure out what Hawktar means. Apparently Hawk, is the word for advanced and tar is from the slang word for human as in tari. So haktar means advanced human haktari. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Nirti was on that planet as she believed like the 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 children and you know the younger generations were sort of naturally evolving into some sort of advanced human. And she introduced this retrovirus to sort of speed that kind of evolutionary process along. When SG-7 showed up, Nirti obviously didn't want her experiments exposed and getting around to everybody. So she just, like, killed everybody. Uh, Also, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Also, her experiments weren't really working like they were. But this kind of evolutionary change requires like generations and generations and generations to sort of pass along the desired gene for whatever the change you want is to be done. And that wasn't quite happening as quickly as it seems like Near T wanted. So this is going to be a very, very long term project anyway. And so it does seem like this is what was done to Cassandra and she's not getting any better on her own. And Dr. Frazier can't really do any more to help her at this point. And uh, Hammond's just like, okay, let's find some answers, people. It's like, what do you think they've been doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So Dr. Frazier heads back to Cassandra's room and there's just this chess piece floating in air, like spinning around and around. And Cassandra says it helps and she can like, feel the heat leaving her body, uh, which is very interesting. They, they're they still not any closer to finding a cure, but Cassandra doesn't really seem to be all that bothered by that. She's just like, okay. Like, and she she's kind of, she almost like wants this to happen. And like, she's like, it maybe dying. Like that. Yeah. And she's like, maybe dying is part of the process. And this obviously distresses Dr. Fraser a lot. And she kind of, pleads with Cassandra to like fight against this. And as, as she sort of like yells at Cassandra, it like breaks her concentration and the chess piece falls. Dr. Frazier reaches up to like grab the chess piece that's fallen and like burns herself on it. So apparently there is some strange kind of heat transfer happening here, which I don't quite understand, but is that okay? I don't know. Mm -hmm. know. Uh, So Dr. Frazier goes to leave and Cassandra just like, mentally picks up the chess piece and starts spinning it again. So Mental fidget spinner. Cool. Why not? Yay. Sure. (laughs) Yep. 
so in Sam's lab, Janet's standing there looking over Cassandra's EEG. Apparently, uh, Cassandra's been able to sort of control the EM field stuff that she's emitting. So they've been, they've been able to do some more, in, not invasive, but intensive scans of like her brain and her body and like what's happening, I guess. Uh, and there's apparently a 25% increase in brain activity. And Dr. Fraser tells Sam about like what she's doing to control the heat with the whole spinning the chest piece thing. And basically right now, Dr. Fraser really wants Cassandra to sleep. And Sam's like, well, I'm going to go sit with her so, you know, she can maybe see what she can do on that front. Uh, then something very, very interesting happens. Uh, after Sam and Dr. Fraser leave, uh, the keys on the keyboard start like clicking, clacking as if somebody is typing, but there's nobody there. And then we also get that like PO, that, that point of view shot of like the invisible person again. So apparently what was ever on that planet is now here in the SGC. Oh man. And they have and no idea. No idea. No. Mm-hmm. So Sam goes to see Cassandra and Cassandra brings up uh, sort of how Sam wouldn't leave her like way back when, when she had that bomb in her chest and like, why wouldn't she do that? And she was just like, I don't know. It was just a feeling. And Cassandra tries to equate like what she's feeling now with what Sam was feeling then. Like, I know you don't understand, but, like this, I think this just needs to happen. We need to just let this be a thing that happens. And I don't know how to articulate why or how it just is. Um, but she also wants to know that like when the time comes, will Sam be there for her again? And Sam's like, always. And Cassandra's like, I think I can sleep now. It's very touching and very like, very <sighs> yeah, this poor oh. girl. It leads you to believe that, like, Sam has a bigger bond with Cassandra than Dr. Frazier does, than Janet does. I think it's almost sort of like a thing where, like, you know, Dr. Frazier's her mom and Sam's, like, the cool aunt. Yeah. Who, you know, you can tell stuff to that maybe you can't tell your mom about, but you can tell your aunt because she's not your mom specifically. I think Mm -hmm. something like that, maybe. In Dr. Frazier's lab, she's got, like, some samples she's looking at in a microscope and a bunch of, like, paperwork off to the side, she's, like, reading through and making notes on. And then she kind of, like, rubs her head, like, her temples, like, she's got a bit of a headache. So she, like, sends her pencil down on the chart that's on the right side of the microscope as she gets up to leave the room. After she leaves, the door to the lab, to her lab, kind of swings open a bit further, seemingly sort of by itself. And then also the chair moves. And then a figure is revealed that's covered, basically, from head to toe, except for their eyes. And, hey, guess who it is? Surprise. <gasps> Surprise. It's Nerti. Oh, my God. Who would have thought? What? What? Uh, so she starts looking through, like, the charts and all the paperwork and the stuff on Dr. Fraser's desk. She picks up, like, a sample in a Petri dish of some kind, puts it into the microscope and starts looking at it. Uh, we have a quick cut to Dr. Fraser, who has reached the elevator bay, but notices that she's left her access badge in her office. So... She can't scan to open the elevator, so she heads back to her office. Uh, we see Near T kind of like here's Dr. Fraser coming back, quickly puts the chart down on the left side of the mm. microscope, uh, pushes like a button like on something like on her waist somewhere. Uh, she disappears. Dr. Fraser enters the lab, sees the chart is on the other side of the microscope. Looks around like, 
what happened. This is this isn't how I left this stuff. But obviously right. doesn't see anything. Uh, kind of puts everything back to right. Picks up her access card. Uh, as she kind of like brings her head up, she sees the the X-rays that are there on the board in front of her, and it seems to like trigger some sort of thought in her brain, and she rushes out. Uh, she catches up with Sam in the hall and asks what happened to all of the bodies that were on Hanka of all of the sick villagers. And Sam tells her that everybody was ended up being burned. So apparently what Dr. Fraser is after is a bone fragment of somebody who went through the witch, the ritual who like went to the forest and came back cured to see if there are perhaps antibodies there that they can use to cure Cassandra. Like this is like, Dr. Fraser grasping at straws, like the most desperate, like yeah. I just There's no way they could do that in any sort of time frame that would work. No, there's but it's just like it's it's something to like focus on. Maybe, I don't know, something. But Sam's like, it's been four years. Who knows what's happened on the planet since then with those bodies and those remains and everything when they're interrupted by an alarm going off. So they run down the hall and find an airman um, unconscious or dead. Like, there, there's another airman there who, like, has fingers on his neck, like, taking a pulse and shakes his head. So, I, dead, maybe? I don't know. I'm a little confused about don't know. the airman on the floor. I don't know. Um, I didn't really put like, that together much either. Yeah. Uh, but it's, like, right on the floor outside Cassandra's room, so they rush in, but, like, she's okay, and she tells them that a Gould did this and they're like what a Gould how no there can't there's not a Gould on base what are you talking about and so Cassandra explains that she was asleep and sort of sensed somebody coming in but thought it was just a nurse but then as it got closer she could sense the Gould presence and Sam runs over to an intercom calling out a code three alert and requesting Zats and TERs to their location. Ooh emergency. Mm-hmm. Did you remember what the TERs were before they showed up? Nope, no, not at all. No? Okay. <laughs> of course. Why would you remember anything? That's the whole point of the show is that I you don't, don't remember could, anything. And I tell you everything. Do, I know. We could do an entire rewatch of this again. Probably be the same for me because most of them might be like, oh, that's right. I kind of remember that now. Instead of being like, nope, I got nothing. Yeah, okay. There's just so, so many. I, I yeah, I know. There's there are a lot. So many of them. Okay, so like, so Cassandra's okay. It's fine. She like screamed and the ghoul ran off. Uh, Hammond and the rest of SG One come running into the room. They let them know about like the ghoul being on base, and Tilk then reminds everybody that Nirti can turn herself invisible. And that Cronus is now dead because, like, Nirti was his prisoner post fair game and everything. So, hey, guess Ooh. what? That was apparently her back on Hanka when Daniel thought he had activated the rings. That was Nirti. And she, like, came back when the boys of SG1 came back to Earth. Surprise. Oops. Oops. Uh, so we get some airmen coming in with like the Zats and TRs and Hammond orders everyone to sweep the base level by level. Jack's going to stay with Cassandra because he's like, you fought off near T once. So this is probably the safest place to be, which is kind of like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I like, oh, that. I like that line. Yeah. yeah. 
So we get a quick shot of sort of the teams like making their way through the base, clearing things level by level as they go. Uh, Jack and Dr. Fraser are still with Cassandra and she keeps talking about the experiment and how it worked. Otherwise, Nirti would have killed her. She suddenly points up to the observation room and yells, look out. Jack points the zat at the window, but is tossed back by a hand device before he can fire. That also shatters the window. The airman that's there with them gets the TER trained on Nirti as she like somersaults from the observation room into the isolation room, which is really cool. Like a ninja. Yeah. It's so cool. It was apparently a very complicated, like, special effects shot. The whole, like, phasing in and out and, like, where the boundary of the TER ray is. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. a lot more complicated than you would think. Um, yeah. Jack manages to zat her, which uh, sort of deactivates the invisibility cloak and she's like just down for the count and now visible so jack pulls off the veil revealing that yes this is near t uh over the radio he calls for security to their location and also orders everybody else to stand down but then cassandra starts seizing and so they start wheeling her out of the room as dr fraser tries to get everything under control yeah not good no uh so, quick cut, and we have Jack and Hammond go to talk to Nearty, who is now tied up in a holding room. They ask With her a about this. fabulous new haircut. Oh, yeah. The lovely little, like, chin-length bob. Love it. So, She's... so much better on her than the other haircut. Yeah. Very stylish. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they ask her about Cassandra, and the only thing she will say is that, like, the end is near. And Jack threatens that if Cassandra dies, so does she. Nearty then asks what they have to offer in return for her to help Cassandra. And they're like, you want to negotiate with us? Like, we have you as a prisoner. Like, and you think you can negotiate. But then she's like, I'm the only one who can save Cassandra. So, yeah, maybe a little bit. So, basically, Nearty's terms are that she wants to be released with her invisibility device and a sample of Cassandra's blood. It's just like, no, that's, no, no. that's not going to happen. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, Daniel and Dr. Fraser are walking through the halls, just sort of like talking about everything that's going on. Daniel's bringing her up to speed on the whole near T situation and that Hammond hasn't decided what to do yet, but they, they kind of might not have any option, but to do what near T wants if they want to save Cassandra and there's then a very touching moment that launched a thousand fanfics where Daniel's like, I'm here if you need anything. No. So here, the, the Daniel Janet ship was born here in this moment, if you will. Aww. Uh Cassandra's back in the isolation room and we have Dr. Fraser and a nurse where they're trying to get her body sort of like back under control. And she's like seizing and there's like the fever's rampant. Uh, Dr. Frazier asks for dantrolene, and the nurse kind of is like, are you sure? But, like, goes to get it. So, fun fact, dantrolene is actually a muscle relaxer that's used to treat, like, spasms and, like, muscle-related illnesses. So, it maybe makes sense for the seizures, but not so much for the fever. Which kind of seems to be what Dr. Frazier's trying to treat at this point. Because it's probably, like, the fever that's leading to the, like, seizures and stuff. So, I don't know if dantrolene is really the best medication at this point. Mm. I don't know. But uh, Cassandra starts coming around, begs to, like, just let this happen, whatever it is. 
Uh, Dr. Frazier keeps telling her to like fight. Cassandra asks for Sam and then starts groaning like in pain and seizing. Dr. Frazier gives her some Valium, but her temp is still up at 106, which is a very dangerous temperature for a person to like be at. Dr. Frazier then kind of like turns away from Cassie, grabs like like an ampule, like one of those sort of preloaded needles that has morphine sulfate written on it and leaves the room. So it's like, what, 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 are, you, what, what, what are you doing? What's up? What are you doing? What's going on? Interesting. interesting. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So up in the briefing room, Hammond and SG-1 are trying to figure out, like, what to do. Jack is all for giving in to Nearty's demands. It's not like they're dealing with a terrorist at this point, which, like, um, mm. yeah, yes, yes, but yes, are. yes, yes, you very but much yes. are. Yes. Uh-huh. Very um, much so that. that. Uh-huh. Uh, so because he just wants to save Cassandra, Tilk. And Hammond kind of, like, don't agree with him. Like, Tilk especially, like, even if it means losing Cassandra, like, you can't, like, give a ghoul what it wants. It's just not (laughs) what you do with these things. Um, We then cut back to Fraser, who heads up to the room where Nietzsche is being held and tells the guard that Hammond had told her to check on the prisoner. As the guard turns to open the door, Fraser stabs him in the neck, with that morphine needle, uh, she then, like, kicks open the door, storms in, and pulls a gun on near T. Oh, man. Oof. Mama bear. Oh, yes. Like, I get very strong uh, Molly Weasley, not my daughter, you bitch, vibes. Ah, yeah. From this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back to the briefing room. Sam and Daniel join in. Uh, like arguing for saving Cassandra and Sam brings up all that like Cassandra has been through because of Nearty and can they really put all of that up against what they might learn from Nearty if they keep her prisoner like there's no reason to believe Nearty would actually tell them anything useful you know mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then over uh, and then over the intercom we get Hammond page to the holding room so they all arrive at the holding room where an airman now has a gun pointed at Fraser. There's actually a couple airmen in the room who kind of seem to be. Uh, so Fraser's got a gun pointed at Nearty, and then airmen have guns pointed at Dr. Fraser. Uh, according to the commentary, Rick was actually not available the day that this was shot. So like the back of Jack that you see as they walk into the room is actually his photo double. And oh, his close fun. up was and yeah, and his close up was filmed on a completely different day. Oh fun. So there you go. Yay, filmmaking fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Movie uh, magic. Yes. So Hammond very like actually quite calmly for the situation as is, like tells Dr. Fraser to stand down. She's like, I can't do that. And like you can hear like the tears in her voice, like her voice is like quivering. And shaking as she's talking here. And it's like, oh, like, she's like, I can't save Cassandra near she can. And Hammond's like, I've been convinced to make a bargain to save Cassandra. So he's going to, like, make a deal with near but only under the terms that once near saves Cassandra, she'll be free to go. Like, that's it. Like, no invisibility cloak, no blood sample. And then... I think probably my like favorite exchange of this episode where Nearty goes, and how do I know you will honor this? And Hammond says, you have only my word. And Nearty goes, that's not enough. To which Hammond goes, 
Then I shall remind you that the woman holding the gun on you is Cassandra's mother. I do like that. That's a my that yeah, that's my favorite line in this <laughs> episode, yeah. Yes. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in the isolation room, we have Cassandra in critical condition. Nearty is escorted in, like, surrounded by airmen. There's, like, everybody on base who can be there to, like, keep tabs on Nearty is there at this point. Uh, We have, like, all of the instruments from her lab laid out on a table nearby. She picks up the, like, the healing device, like, the ghoul healing device that we've seen before, and also that other weird device that Jack had been like, what's this for? And they were like, you figure it out. So apparently those two things together are going to be what's going to fix Cassandra, maybe. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, like, scans Cassandra with them for, like, two seconds and then says, you waited too long. And Dr. Frazier's like, try again. So, okay. <laughs> so... She does. Uh, After like a minute or so, we get Cassandra who starts coughing. Her vital signs are stabilizing. It worked. Cassandra. Oh, surprise. Better. Yay. Question here. Did Mirti like reverse what the retrovirus was doing or just like stop it from advancing any further? Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, I thought she reversed it because then later Cassandra okay. can't move anything with her brain anymore. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes but sense. But I did. Okay. I did love how she tried to cop out and be like, "Oh, you waited too long. Sorry. No, it's not. It's not working." <laughs> yeah. No. Try again because you're getting out of here depends on yep. you fixing Cassandra. Yeah. So. You're getting out of here alive depends on her getting out of here alive. Exactly. Yes. So Jack then like escorts Nearty out of the out of the isolation room and like to the gate room and everything and cut a little bit of time and of course the address that Nearty gave them to dial is not her final destination and she's like I'm gonna have to start my experiment all over again how dare you and Jack's like oh darn I we're so sorry about that but too bad so sad we don't care. But they did let Nerti go. So how do you feel about that? What, what what do you think? I mean, I totally feel like they should have just dropped her off in the most inconvenient place possible. Like, she gave him an address, sure. But we don't know whether or not she verified that's where she was going. Yeah. Or, I mean, considering that the SGC can manually shut down the gate dial it, send her through, and then, like, shut it off immediately so she just dies before she gets to where she's going. Well, there's that, too. Now that we learned that from the episode, you know, the other day. Yeah. Just last week. Yeah. I don't know what day. The other day being last week. The last one. The exact last one that we watched. Yes. (laughs) Red Sky. Now that we know they can do that. Yep. Anyway. Uh, Anyway. Uh, so back in the infirmary, uh, some time has passed. Cassandra's looking a lot better. Like she's back in like street clothes and stuff and she's doing some schoolwork and she gets to go home tonight. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Uh, so like Sam, they're setting up the chess cause apparently it's now Saturday again. And she kind of like teases Cassandra about Dominic. Who's like, lifetime waiting. movie again. Oh, yes, boys and kiss- kissing and Cassandra's like, oh my gosh, shut up, stop. But like, 
but it's actually kind of cute and everything. And uh, so, yeah, so they get the chest and Cassandra's like, I, you know, this is cool, but I'm not going to be able to move the pieces by just thinking about it this time. But that's okay. And then we end the episode on a close-up of Dr. Fraser smiling because everything is back to how it should be. Yay. The end. Yay. Yay. I thought this one was okay. Yeah, like this one's fine. Like it's not one of my favorites, but like it's okay. It's all right. And I don't know why, but I it just really the relationship that they gave Janet and Cassandra seems odd to me. Like I don't know. So Cassandra, you know, her episode, her when we originally meet her, she's what like ten or twelve. Twelve, I think. Twelve. Yeah. Okay, right. So. If you are adopted when you're 12, I wouldn't think you're ever like, oh, you're my mom now. Like, you'd be like, like, she would have more so, I think, called her Janet. Yeah. Or, and, and been, and had more of a fun aunt relationship with her rather than like, oh, you're my mom now. Yeah. Like, the like that whole... I know you're not my mom, but I know you're the person who's taking care of me now at this point in sort of filling the mom role. But like expecting a 12 year old to suddenly just call somebody mom when their mom had just died like a month ago. Right. It, it just seems like they forced making Janet a replacement mom. And it, it seemed very odd to me. It didn't seem like if, She's being adopted at 12 where they would be at. Two, maybe. Not 12. Yeah, yeah, 12 is a little old to just suddenly call some random woman mom out of nowhere. Because, you know, step-parents exist on Earth. So even if, you know, school and stuff is involved, like, calling her Janet, not a big deal. Plus, I mean, obviously, if she's 12... She remembers her entire family. It's not like, oh, yeah. I barely remember my mom. She died when I was so young. Like, no, she had a whole no. family. Yes. Yeah. It, it It is a little weird. Yeah. 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 I just, it seemed very, very forced into the replacement mom place. And I, that for that reason, like, I totally could, I could, totally could get on board with whole, the whole, like, mama bear stuff that Janet was doing, but just their dynamic in general seemed off. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure, yeah. Yeah, and that's my two cents on this episode and why I thought it was just okay. Okay, uh, okay, so the episode title, Rite of Passage. So, a rite of passage is a ritual or a ceremony signifying an event in a person's life indicative of a transition from one stage to another as from adolescence to adulthood. Hmm. That, that's definitely what Cassandra's going through here, I think. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some fun foreign territory titles this week, as we have we not do. in the past. We do. Uh, so, in French, this was called rite of initiation. Okay. In Hungarian, it was called The Way of Change. Hmm. In Italian, it was called Fire of the Mind. Oh, okay. In Spanish, it was also Rite of Initiation. Oh, okay. Uh, and then in Czech, it was just Initiation. <laughs> to the point. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. so do you think that because Sandra just wanted the change to happen like she just was just like let it go let it be let it happen do you think she would have died 
I do. I do think she would have died if they hadn't intervened because it does seem like what was happening on Hanka was the children started to go through this process. Something in the retrovirus drew them to the forest. As Daniel said, they saw the glowing handprint. They touched the handprint, the fire. Oh, hey, fire. Let's go near that. Beam down to the lab. Near T fixes them. And then they come back all honky-dory and a-okay. Mm-hmm. So I think if they had just let it go, I do think she would have died. Yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah. she was running a fever of 106. That is... That's not good. That's like brain damage territory we're getting yep. into. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would have been neat if she kept her powers, though, huh? I know. That would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. But no. Unfortunately. Back to normal. Yep. And I don't think we ever see Cassandra again. No. Like, even, even, no, I'm not going to spoil that. No, I won't, just in case. Nope. No, we'll leave, we'll leave that for when we get to it. Don't spoil the surprise for me, because you know I don't remember. Uh, okay, I'll mention it after we sign off here. But Okay. okay. All okay. right. All right. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore Rewatch. And now on Discord, check the link in the show notes. Or you can send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Beast of Burden. Bye. Bye.